Winkley. I am your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back in the saddle for another episode of your favorite pro wrestling punditry 60 to 90 minutes. Uh, I am, of course, joined here as I am just about every Wednesday by my good friend Justin Labar. Justin, welcome back to the Winkley. Good to be back, Nicholas. You always sound like not excited to do that. I'm always like, I do this big intro, and then you're always like, oh, yes, I'm looking forward to talking about the news today, Nicholas. Because I can't because I can't even try to compete with your Good Morning Vietnam, so I just figure I might as well own and go to the other side of the spectrum and just own the, the uh, just own it. I know? like I like that because, you know, when I started doing it again, the Good Morning Vietnam intro, people have opinions. Some people didn't like it, but I don't hear any negatives anymore. I only hear positives about the intro, and I'm glad. That's, that's good Chicago improv technique right there. Even if it doesn't work at first, do it 50 times in a row, and eventually it'll become funny. That's true. It's a fact. Yeah, yeah you know, between that and the if, – if you didn't wink, you didn't – whatever, whatever your closing line. I mean, you just, you just <laughs> so, shoved it down our throats. We just have to accept it at this point. Chicago improv training. Uh, well, we got a lot to get to here today. It has been a busy 24 hours in pro wrestling news. Uh, but not only are you going to get some punditry here from Justin and I, you're also going to get two great interviews. And I mean great. I am uh, especially excited for the first interview that I did – uh, or that that's going to play here on the show right after the news. And that's with my good friend, Jimmy Corderas. Jimmy, of course, the host of Aftermath, or one of the hosts of Aftermath up in Canada on Sportsnet 360. He was also a WWE referee for 20-plus years. And, you know, as of late, Justin, refereeing has been a bit of a talking point for pro wrestling fans between the Hell in a Cell finish, between uh, refing at your discretion over an AEW, uh, I will say I've done a lot of interviews. I've done a lot of punditry with Jimmy Corderas over the years. I have never heard him as fired up as he is in this interview about refereeing. And that's kind of an interesting way to s- describe Corderas, fired up. You don't usually hear that, I feel like, about him. No, I've been around Jimmy a lot, and uh, Jimmy's always uh, as as usually as soft-spoken and, and level-headed as it can be. So I'm looking forward to that interview. He's but, like, I mean, you know, yeah, just yeah. just on the topic, I'm not surprised because, look, everything else in wrestling evolved to a point of, like, questioning is this good or bad. You know, the, at one time it was the old-timer wrestlers, you know, when, when all these flippy guys started and, and yeah. smaller guys, and there was the backlash of that. And, and, you know, so now it's evolving to where referees are getting – lenient and 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 we're having to bend rules to 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 extend finishes and so i'm not surprised that maybe some some old school guys like jimmy who who have feelings the way he does are are not are not digging it i i get it is that i think there's a case to be made and i brought this up with jimmy after the interview so this isn't in the interview we just kept going because i was so i was so fired up as well just listening to jimmy could have gone another 20 minutes but uh you know the idea that if your referees become uh uncredible does that also kind of make your product a little uncredible? You know what I mean? Like if all the, you know, everybody, they get upset with football, turn it off. The referees make a bad call. If they make enough bad calls, fans start rioting about it. I wonder if there isn't some kind of subliminal, um, I don't know, some kind of, some kind of subliminal message being sent to the fans by, if we take away the credibility of the referees, what does that say about the wrestling that we're doing? If that makes sense. Maybe I thought way too hard about that. Well, but that's, that's a fine line in wrestling because to an extent referees are not supposed to be uncredible, but referees are supposed to be 
<clears throat> bumbling and fumbling and, and they miss the obvious old tactics of double team. You know, they, I mean, you know, pro wrestling has been around for, for, for over 70 years. And, okay. and, and how are these refs still falling for the same tricks in the book? I mean, sure, but, point, there's supposed to be a little bumbling. Sure, but it's not like the ref, like, okay, if a referee in football was just like, look, I know it was an illegal tackle, but it looked dope and I'm not feeling it. So it's at my discretion. We're not going to call that illegal tackle. You, that would people would riot if that was the case. Well, there's also like eight officials on a football field watching the game, and each of them are assigned to different things to watch for. Whereas there's only one, sometimes dealing with uh, six, eight, or ten wrestlers in a match, so it's a little bit different. I don't want to say that what you talked about does come up in a roundabout way in Jimmy's analysis of the situation. Um, so anyway, I don't want to ruin it anymore. What if, but... what if we started having a referee? Here, here's a new idea. See, AEW wants to, you know, everybody's trying to look for the new, break the new mold, try to have a, have a referee in the ring and then assign a referee to each side of the ring. So you have five referees per match. Nothing will ever get missed. I don't want to, you know what? Here's the thing is I'm going to write this down. Okay. I'm gonna, Cause I'm not going to say it now. Cause we got to play the interview, but I'll bring it up at the end of the show. What his All idea right. is for the AEW refs. And then we'll do it as a closer to, to react to it. Um, one second, I gotta I write it. it down. Okay, this is good. Okay, okay, cool. I've written it down. It's happening. All right. After the Jimmy Corderas interview, you're gonna hear another interview. It's our own Brian Wool. Uh, he's based in LA. Uh, he's an actor. He's a comedian. He's a great guy. He writes for the site, and uh, he got to sit down at the uh, Impact Wrestling LA media event with Johnny Swinger, ECW, WCW, WWE. Now Impact Wrestling's Johnny Swinger. Uh, he'll be on the show here today. And if you like that interview with Johnny. Uh, or you want to see what it was like with him interacting with Brian, go over to our YouTube channel. That interview also dropped simultaneously there today as well in video form. All right, with that, let's get to it here. News you can use, news that will leave a bruise. We're going to kick it off with the latest regarding CM Punk because CM Punk, uh, uh, he, he blew away the traffic, uh, and there was a lot going on last night. But everything CM Punk related yesterday did really well. So we're going to lead off with that because I know that's obviously what you're all the most interested in. Um, there were two uh, different people. They commented on the CM Punk WWE relationship. They were Triple H and CM Punk. So we're going to read what Triple H said here first. He was on the Ariel Helwani MMA show. He was asked about a possible WWE return in any capacity, on-screen persona, wrestler, for CM Punk. Triple H said, that's a quote-unquote could be. Vince will say it all the time. We're open for business. The past is the past. Today is today. And you never say never in WWE. To wit, CM Punk was on Barstool Sports, my mom's po- my mom's basement podcast, and he was asked about a potential return to WWE. And he said, "For five years, I've always been asked that question. No matter what I say, it gets reduced to clickbait, to clickbait, and it gets warped. I've gone through so some so many iterations of people saying, oh." Punk hates wrestling. None of that was ever the case. I think I've always been open to it. My attitude has always been that I don't see it happening. I think I've talked about it more recently, but my attitude hasn't changed. People always ask me, what it, what would it take to go back? And I say it would take a big bag. So people, use your imaginations. He was also about asked about his AEW offer. And, uh, of course, the line I'll pull from that is, they texted me a secondhand offer, and I was like, real offers, please. So um, that's all of it put together here. Triple H is obviously saying the past is the past. Punk is saying it would take a big bag, but it does sound like he would also maybe have to be emotionally or creatively uh, involved to get to get there as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is the end of the... I, I, I'm expecting CM Punk on SmackDown Friday at this point, man. I mean, I feel like he's already there. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, it. Um, he can say his attitude hasn't changed and, and this and that. And, you know, tr- even Triple H's comments seem a little bit more, I don't know if it's welcoming or a little bit more open to the possibility, even more so than they were just three, four weeks ago when he commented on it right when NXT and AEW started going head-to-head. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly does feel like it's inevitable at some point, which is wild to say because for the bulk of this calendar year, myself – Maybe you and most of us kind of thought it was probably inevitable that he would show up in AEW, especially with, um, you know, the shows in Chicago they do. And then knowing TV was coming, it just seemed like that was like the biggest bullet that they could possibly fire. That AEW kind of being this um, ultimate, you know, uh, competition and an and, and alternative to WWE. That seems like that would kind of be rating you know, CM Punk's battle cry and, and, and what have you. But but AEW has come and they've been around now for for a month or at least for TV. And he hasn't shown up. It doesn't mean that he won't, but he he, he just he seems really kind of just eh about showing up to AEW, and, and you know again that could be a tactic of trying to work everybody. But I don't know. It's starting to feel like, especially with WWE getting their backs up against the wall every week that they lose on Wednesday nights, and then every week that they see numbers on Mondays and Fridays dropping after all this significant promotion, it kind of feels like the backs are going to be up against the wall to where they're going to say, you know what, what is that one thing that we could do to try to really get people talking and if stone cold steve austin ain't gonna have a match and hulk hogan's past this point of having a match and the rock's busy in hollywood and john cena's busy busy in hollywood like you know what's that big bullet it punks about it okay two thoughts two thoughts i didn't really anticipate thinking this hard here because i was just like this is more triple h punk stuff but i'll start with saying do you think these two men have talked at this point and put the water under the bridge do you think hunter and punk have have had that conversation in person or over the phone I don't know if I'd say the water's been under the bridge. I don't know if they've gotten that deep. I do think that Punk has had some verbal communication with at least Triple H or Vince. Whether okay. that is even just a simple, okay. Okay. I, I think I think there's been some communication. I don't know if they've delved deep into solving all their issues, but I think I they've, I'm sure there's been at least something. I agree. It's going to take at least eight sessions, I think, to really start making some <laughs> movement. I think you're going to need to come back for another hour next week. It's a buck fifty an hour. Um, look, I, uh, I I think you're right on that. I, I and, and the other thing is. The weird pro wrestling tee things where the only shirt right now is the CM Punk's CM Punk sucks shirts, I still think is like trying to get ahead of the heat he may be getting back for going to WWE. But the other side of the coin here is look, NXT is losing to AEW right now handedly every Wednesday night. Actually, maybe not handedly, but it would take it it would take something to bridge the gap, right? To make it really competitive, if not overtake them. If you were to work out a deal to put CM Punk on Wednesday nights as part of NXT against AEW, especially with some of the things that Punk has said publicly about he he doesn't seem to have really liked the way they negotiated with him, um, uh, you've got me hooked. That's a hell of a Wednesday night war if I ever saw one. Absolutely, and and, um, and well, well, first off, yes, you know, like at this point, you know, and I'm not, I don't want to say it's like doom and gloom here, but like. You know, NXT, there's nothing in the, in the, in the couple of weeks I've been up uh, against AEW. We've seen pretty much every NXT character, right? Like we've seen, you know, we've seen Adam Cole. We've seen, you know, Dream. We, like, it's not like there's any, it's not like there's anything that, that NXT, ha- and there's no, again, I'm going to use the, the bullet. <laughs> there's no bullet that hasn't been fired. I mean, yeah, there's matches and there's things that we could see that could, that could, you know, that could do really well on Wednesday night. But right now it doesn't appear as they're drawing 700,000 compared to the million you know million two that and uh, let's and let's take into consideration i hate to cut you off but if they're if the plan is if the rumors are true that they could be hitting the road here starting in january i mean if you're looking to wait to to get people into seats 
at least the first dozen, I would think, CM Punk on NXT shows back at WWE. That moves a lot. That's your Brock Lesnar of NXT right there to help move your tickets. And, and not even first dozen. I mean, you can uh, more than that. You could basically say your first trip around the country. So all the major markets that WWE hits in the first place. It, it's yeah. kind of like when the Hardys came back to WWE. You know, it was a big thing for the live event for ticket sales for all for, for while they hit that first tour. When everybody, so it's not even just the first dozen. It's the first. You know, it's hitting all the major cities. Every city is going to want to get there to see their because they haven't seen Punk in five years. Um, so yeah, you're right. The ticket sales wise, and like what I'm saying is there doesn't seem to be anything i see nothing in the forecast as the nxt roster is now that is going to have them all of a sudden jump from seven hundred thousand to be over 1.1 1.2 million and or i see nothing in aew's forecast that's going to have them drop uh that so yeah you would almost need a cm punk and what's more intriguing as we think hard about this what's more intriguing to think about punk on wednesday night is that if you're going to get punk back it look WWE has all the money in the world they can afford to pay him whatever big bag he wants money's not the issue it's the creative freedom and the respect and that's gonna be really tough to that's gonna be really tough to convince him of on a monday or friday because of yeah. how the current e- e- even Agreed. if you say look we'll put you on monday Agreed. and you can work with paul Heyman. even that but you put him in wednesday but wednesday is a very clean kind of we know the creative process is different there's less people it's a lot more freedom to the talent from what we gather right that might be a situation where you can you can convince him you know you can do what you want to do have fun and see the so. thing, and it's and I think with Punk and Hunter, that's the reason I asked. Do you think that was why my first question was, do you think they've talked right? Because let's get you know realistic here. Punk he didn't get along with Vince, or no, I mean he did seem to get along with Vince. It was Hunter that he didn't seem to get along with, right? Vince he kind of was like, whatever, you're you're an old man, I can deal with you. But it seemed to have been more the budding of the heads came with with Hunter from all the stories we've heard, right? Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, I would I would tend to believe that. Yes. Yes. Okay. So if these guys are about the same age, five years have passed. I think they've both grown a lot of different directions. I do wonder if they could come back to the table, maybe better off than they were before, right? Everybody's had some chance to blow off some steam here. Um, I, I, I would be optimistic, especially if a, a part of Punk's asking is this big bag of money. And if you're Triple H and NXT is your baby and you would do anything to protect this and keep it around and keep it growing and not show it as a failure, I think that you could provide that big bag of money, especially with now that you've got... USA and you're saving a whole lot by not touring it at, at the same time right now, you know. Yeah, I just I just think of it as if you can pay <laughs> what if you can pay a Tyson Fury the reported millions that he's supposedly getting to go to Saudi Arabia, right. and, I, and I know it's a different situation. I know the Prince wanted him, blah 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 blah. But sure. like, yeah, they've they've spent more money on 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 less things that have less of an impact, in my opinion. And right, yeah, you're right. I, I think I think him fitting on a Wednesday it makes a lot of sense if he and uh, if he and Paul Levesque can 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 work through their their relationship this is not where i thought this was going to show the show was going to start i knew there was a reason that i i led with the the highest traffic things because you're right i think that what we just did was you know that meme of charlie day from it's always sunny in philadelphia with like all the pins and string on the wall Um, yes 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 we just did that (laughs) we are we are that meme come to podcast form so uh you're all very welcome for that if we're right and we did put all the string together the right way well wouldn't that just be something uh, well, we do have another AEW story here to uh, follow up on that with uh, John Clark of WrestleZone, my former home WrestleZone. Uh, WWE security allegedly threatened to remove fans from Monday's Raw at the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland, Ohio, if they were seen wearing AEW merchandise on the hard camp side or trying to get AEW seen on TV. Now, John Clark was there, so that's why I noted he is the person of source from WrestleZone that reported on this. Uh, it was also reported that fans 
near the entrance ramp and at ringside were reportedly told that they would be thrown out of the arena if they put on an AEW t-shirt or held up an AEW-related sign. Reader Rob Johnston sent word to us that he, oh, sent word to us, Wrestling Inc., that he was allowed in with AEW merchandise on, but he had to cover it up with a sweater that belonged to his friend. He said, they did let me in, but I had to put my buddy's sweater on. Uh, back to John Clark here from WrestleZone. He reported that WWE security had a stern message for a fan that tried to give AEW a plug on WWE TV. I'm guessing maybe yelling something behind the commentators or something like that. So WWE here, publicly, publicly, it's very civil, right? But very, very civil. But we keep getting these hints here where it may not be that civil at the moment. Uh, I don't. I, this stuff like this it doesn't set them in a good. It doesn't make them look cool. I don't know. I wouldn't worry about it that much. Yeah, I mean, like, first off, can you, could you imagine them trying to police this back in the the Monday the Monday Night Wars in the late nineties when you, no. you turn on Raw, you'd see a million NWO T-shirts. You and... lean into that, man. Here's the thing: this goes this goes back to my biggest problem right now with the Wednesday Night War, and I do think it'll change in the coming months. But the reason the Monday Night Wars were so much fun is because they each company felt like a wrestler showing up to fight every Monday night. And you could feel, I mean, you had, you know, say what you will about the stories and stuff. People are like, I saw this the other day, somebody on Twitter is like defending the Lashley, Rusev, Lana stuff. And they're like, well, you want more Attitude Era stuff. And I'm like, well, you could get away with this because you were trying to outdo the other person craziness-wise or something. There was a reason to do it. If you just do it isolated in a bubble where you're not doing it inherently to beat the other guy, it's just a stupid thing, right, that nobody buys into. I want to see more leaning in. I want to, I think that, I think feeding off that competitiveness, not trying to shy away from it or put it in a hole or, or pretend to be nice. Embrace it, man. I, these, these stories are so weird to me. It doesn't help you to have this kind of stuff being out there, you know? Yeah, it, it doesn't make WWE look cool. And it certainly does give off that they're insecure and that they're, you know, like, you know, they, but here's the other thing. Here's the opposite side of it to the fans. Stop. Like, st- this isn't a surprise anymore. Stop being surprised that WWE asks you to cover up. I know it might seem unfair, but it, it but the the fact of the matter is, when you choose to go to a WWE event, you're setting on you're, you're stepping onto their set. You're stepping into their studio. Sure. And you're you're an extra. And while while you have the freedom to boo or cheer whoever you want, or not make any noise whenever you want, they have the right. If you're going to appear on their cameras, they have the right to manipulate what is what is seen in terms of what you're wearing. Like that's sure. that's that that. that, that I mean, so my point is, is like, I don't know, like fans are always reporting these when they happen. I don't know, like what at this point, like it was news the first time, whatever that was. (laughs) But I don't like at this point, stop acting surprised. I don't think that that is. But here's the thing, Justin, and I, I hear that point. You can't police people's emotions, right? You can make the decision to do something, but you can not control the decision of somebody else to react the way you want them to. Right. And so it is their it's their right absolutely to make the decision to cover that fan shirt up. But if that fan showed up being like, "Man, I want to be cool tonight. I'm going to rock my AEW shirt on WWE and I'm going to go home and I'm going to post Instagram photos about it and high five my buddies." And that fan gets to show up and be cool and that was what they were hoping to do, not fully aware cuz they don't listen to shows like this or read the sheets and that and that gets taken from them. Yeah, you can get resentment there. You can't you can't tell people not to be resentful. If that's you know what they what they were going in with their emotions, you know, expecting from their emotions. I suppose. I mean, again, yeah, it doesn't. It, it, again, it does. It does WWE no favors in the, in the grand scheme of things. But at the same point, I feel like 
every time a fan then submits this to a wrestling website, obviously then they're submitted to a wrestling sure. website. They know they, they're probably aware that this is a thing. It's just kind of like, okay, yeah. like, do you want your five seconds of fame? So we'll put your post in a headline of here's another fan. I got told what not to wear by WWE. It's like at this point, it's kind of just See, but it, move on. But here's the thing is if you have fans coming in, they're like, look, I got my AW shirt in. Don't you think, and like, again, this goes back to why the Monday Night Wars worked. Don't you think you'd actually get people being like, man, I'm going to check out Raw to see what crazy thing a fan is going to try to do or a sign or a shirt that, wow, they got let through. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like that was a part, that, that was a big yeah. part of the attitude era. The, one of the most iconic yeah. images of the attitude era is Vince fears ratings. It was a sign that a fan brought in, you know, I know. Uh, again, I, I know, but uh, you know, but again, I, I think a lot of it has to do with WWE was a private company. Then now Vince would actually have to, from, you know, potential ritual white guys who don't even understand pro wrestling who just look at WWE and their stock portfolio and understand that it might be good. Um, Mr. McMahon, chairman of the board. Uh, I, I, I heard from, from my, my grandson that there was a sign that, 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 that publicly, you know, slander, you know, liable made us look bad, whatever. Why are you having that on your program? I mean, you know, they have to answer to more people. So they're going to try to, they're going to try to keep the environment sterile and control as much as they can control down to signs, down to what fans wear. Again, doesn't make them look good. doesn't make them look cool. It can certainly generate resentment from fans, but that's, that's just what they're going to do. It's their studio. They're going to, they're going to police the extras how they want to police them. All right. Stepping off my second soapbox for the day. All right. On to the next thing. Uh, Show buzz daily. Uh, they are reporting the raid, the viewership for Monday night's raw uh, featuring the fallout from last week's 2019 WWE draft. Uh, they drew an average of 2.342 million. Uh, this is better than the draft episode and the post Hell in a Cell episode. And besides the season premiere on uh, September 30th, which drew 2.571, it is the best audience since the September 2nd episode, so over a month ago, uh, which drew 2.507 million. Uh, the September 2nd episode was the last raw before the return of the NFL. So, really, the best viewership they've done since the NFL uh, has kicked back in. First hour did 2.477, second 2.373, and third 2.175. So about a 1 to 1.5, uh, 100 to 105, uh, 150,000 viewers per hour drip. Um, but, you know, uh, look, uh, I, I, this doesn't – I mean, I think this is good. Um, the draft is boring as hell. I'm not shocked that the, the thing went up the next week. But it's good that they're getting some traction here and that, you know, they've – WWE's ratings across the board have kind of been dripping. They needed a win, and they got one here this uh, this week on Monday. You know, yeah, they got a win. I'm, I wonder if you know. I wonder if it surprises WWE to see them them go up after the draft. I and mean, I wonder if that lets WWE know this is how bad the draft actually was. Um, bad. I mean, yeah, I don't know if you know whether you know whether or not they're getting traction. I don't know if they, if they continue to go up even in small margins in the next few weeks. And yeah, I'll consider that traction. But um, well, but here, you know, it is what I mean. The, to put things you in know, perspective, this Monday, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, yeah, this Monday there's a it's a terrible Monday Night Football game. It's the Steelers against the winless Dolphins, so that's in their advantage there, in terms of it's not going to be a you know it's, that doesn't look that exciting, other than the fact that Steelers do have a good fan base. But otherwise, you know, so they have a chance. We'll see. Um, but one thing I think people have to remember too, because I see a lot of this right now, people like, and it is a story. You know, it is a story to see, you know, SmackDown's ratings drop as quick as they already have, and, and where where Raw ratings are compared to where they were, <clears throat> you know, four or five years ago. The fans do have to keep in mind, as big of a deal as you want to make that, and I get it, there is a story there. These are still good viewership numbers by TV comparisons. Like, it, you know, you know, for for something that's every single week, right? 52 weeks out of the year to be able to get 
two million plus people, that's still really good. So people, fan, fans, fans that want to like shout from the top of the mountain how how WWE's gonna go out of business. You know, no, they're not. There's you know, there's I mean, there's a story there. They need to pick it up, but it's not. It's not like they're. It's not like they're losing. You know, it's not like they don't have anybody watching. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, I'll say this: last week's draft episode, which we both agree dragged, it started at 2.5 and ended at less than a million, 1.997. So they had about a little over a half million viewership drop from hour one to hour two. This week they did drop, but they only dropped like 250,000 viewers. It was about half of the viewership drop that they had from last week, and they ended stronger than than last week. So yeah, I think that's a. I think it's a, a sign of the uninterest in the draft and how that show just dragged. Uh, but I also thought that I thought that Raw started off largely good. I thought the Flair promo was good. Uh, we have a note here about the uh, the Drew McIntyre uh, versus Ricochet match that uh, was also uh, part of the opening of Raw. Uh, this comes from the Observer. They were saying that match was all about getting McIntyre over. Uh, they noticed they note that the focus was not inherently on Team Hogan versus Flair, but really they're starting to build rebuild uh, Drew McIntyre up as somebody that they see wanting to be a real player here going into Mania season. Now, there's no idea if there's plans to keep McIntyre and Ricochet going, uh, but there are strong plans for both. Uh, they're going to try to get Ma- McIntyre into a top spot now and hope to get Ricochet a top spot here later on. Uh, it was speculated that Ricochet versus McIntyre as a singles feud could continue coming out of Crown Jewel, uh, and I was only giggling there a little bit as I was reading that line because I was like, man, it's got to be great to be McIntyre. It's like, you're going to get the top spot now. Ricochet, hmm later we'll figure it out like i don't know like I, you want to trust your creative but it's never the best to hear that your time will come later you always want that to be now you know yeah i, I when i when when hearing the report that, that the the goal was to get back tire over on this i was a little shocked because yeah while well, he did win and he does you know he physically just looks like a stud the music looks good the entrance everything looks good about him um i thought this match was far too competitive <laughs> for it to for it to you know, quote unquote, get a heel over, um, you know, the, so I would have, I would have figured maybe a little bit more, you know, maybe, maybe a match shorter I and mean, it, it resorts to Drew taking some dirty, but you know, vicious tack. I don't know. It, 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 when you tell me, when you tell me this match was designed to get Drew McIntyre over when I watched it, I'm like, well, that's not what I got out of it. I got out of it that it was a very competitive match, very good match, but it did not screen to me. This is the heel that we're, that we're setting up to potentially be, you know, top heel material by some by uh by mania so i don't kind of surprising and yeah a little little worrisome oh ricochet we'll get back to you later we'll figure it out but right now i need you to put over drew yeah well you know what i think that plays into this though right like they don't really want either guy to look uh like too diminished here you know a competitive bout mcintyre edged out the win over another top tier competitor um honestly i you know that's the best i thought it was a very good match i really enjoyed watching the match um i thought it was the best in-ring stuff i'd seen from these two guys in a while and in a way, it did kind of endear them more to me and, and get me excited, especially to see Drew McIntyre back in the mix. So I I thought it was good for what it was. It was just supposed to be a bump in the road. It was. I mean, McIntyre got a little bit more momentum. He had a good match and a win. Ricochet didn't look terrible. He had a good match. He's still believable. So it was a bump. In, it was a good bump in the road to kind of not put him through the roof, but maybe take him up to the second or third floor. Isn't that like the story of WWE across the board right now? They don't want anybody... It's like they want everybody. They want everything to be a no contest. I, I, they don't want anybody to lose. But they don't want anybody to, like they don't want you know Bray Wyatt and the, and, and and Seth Rollins, the Fiend and Seth Rollins. Well, we don't want anybody to, to really lose here, but we don't want the title to go off Rollins. 
um, you know, the, the, the Tyson Fury and, and Braun Strowman. I guarantee, you know, well, we want Tyson to look really good, but he's Braun Strowman. You know, it, 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 Drew and Ricochet. Well, we want Drew to get over, but there's that Ricochet guy. He's kind. Of, we're calling him a superhero. Uh, oh well, uh, Brock Lesnar, Cain Velasquez. Well, Brock's our big man, but we got to Cain's a new guy here. We can't. Be, just, like be, they don't. Okay. To be fair, these have been arguments in in creative rooms since the beginning of pro wrestling. Right? You've always wanted to put together matches where you want your opponent to come out credible on the other side. I think there's a very big disparate difference between the way they booked Ricochet and McIntyre, which I think was a well-executed old-school way of getting two wrestlers over by having a competitive bout, and the one guy you're trying to get over edges out of victory narrowly, right? I think there's a huge difference in booking Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt in a Hell in a Cell match and having the referee decide that he wanted the match to end. Those are completely different. Th- I get it. I get yes, what you're saying. Yes, they are. They are completely different. And one is certainly more criminal than the other one. But I. But my point still stands is if you just let's just, okay, let's just step off and say that we're done with Drew versus Ricochet specifically here on the run sheet. Let's just look at WWE as a whole. They don't want anybody to lose. But that's <laughs> They don't what, want anybody to really win. I think that's more, I think that's more of a comment on creative. Because I don't think the problem – you get paid to solve these problems. That's what creative does. That's your job. You are given. Is that what they do? You are given characters and scenarios and goals and are told to find out up, uh, come up with compelling, interesting ways to connect those dots. That is so we your so ch- we have the, uh, so we we have Batman here who uh, he saves Gotham. Well, we have the Joker here who's going to be menacing. Um, well, we don't want either of you guys to die. So <laughs> like. Well, I mean, this is the time travel Marvel Universe criticism, right? Where it's like, you can't figure it out. That's cool. We've got a time machine. We'll just go back and fix it, right? That's like, you know, there's creative, you know, there's creative issues across many genres. Um, you know, how long? Uh... If, WWE, if WWE started doing what AEW is doing and every WWE entrance graphic had the win-loss record of every wrestler, everybody would be at 500 win percentage. Everybody would be, oh, this person's uh, 144 and 144. <laughs> this person's 16 and 16. <laughs> Every, that would just be across the board. I feel like I'm just walking across a bridge of soapboxes today. All right. Um, <laughs> let's move on to some Crown Jewel talk. we got a couple Crown Jewel stories. Uh, it was announced uh, this morning on today's edition of WWE's The Bump that a 20-man battle royal is going to take place at Crown Jewel, likely opening the show. The winner will then challenge United States champion AJ AJ Styles for the title later in the night. There is no word yet on the 20 superstars in the Battle Royal, but somebody here that, you know, big matches, multi-man matches. I guess that, you know, got to know your audience, your your territory. A lot of research into Saudi Arabia. I guess they just like to see as many human beings in a ring as possible, I guess. Well, but it gives them... Actually, I do understand it. it, it you know, obviously, it's a, it's a specialty show. It, it's 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 kind of the same reason why they do the big battle royal that's dark at WrestleMania uh, when they do it. It's 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 just so these fans can get to see an appearance by almost in your entire roster, get to see an you know an entrance by each of them. Um, I get it. It, it. I mean, it's it's repetitive. It's <clears throat> you know, it's it it has really no credibility to me. I tune out on these things anymore. But you know, I like when the battle royals come on. You know, like I'm guessing if Kevin Owens makes a trip, I would guess Kevin Owens makes sense just based upon how Raw ended. Um, I don't think he's week, going. But like you know, yeah, I don't think he's going. Um, but uh, yeah, man, multi is like the world's largest tag team turmoil match. It's like we're running out of bodies here. 
right? It's a couple of performance center guys are going to get called up, make their debuts in Saudi Arabia on the desert. Hey, hey, there you go. This match is going to have five referees, the world's most refereed wrestling match. Oh, man. Well, you know, again, I don't want to, we're going to come back to the idea of what to do with the referees in AEW at the end of the show. So I don't, I've got to tease that. Forget AEW. What are we doing with the referees at Crown Jewel? Mm, I don't know. Maybe they can use Jimmy's idea. Again, stick around for the Jimmy Corderas interview. And I've written this down. <laughs> We're going to talk about it at the end of the show. More ref stuff. Uh, also, Crown Jewel. What a great show we're having today. That's tremendous. <laughs> a river of soapboxes. Uh, Braun Strowman, <laughs> also in the world of Crown Jewel. Braun Strowman attacked Tyson Fury at the Performance Center on a video that was released in the last 24 hours. Uh, Tyson Fury was practicing his shoulder tackles when Braun Strowman charged him out of nowhere. After the attack, Fury was left holding his right ankle. He waved off medical. He was clutching his ankle, and the two are going to face off at Crown Jewel. Did you get a chance to watch this uh, this video they released? I did, and I did not like it. You didn't like Why didn't you like it? On paper, I think it's a great idea. I love on paper when you pitch to me in the creative room. Tyson Fury is going to be training at the Performance Center. Braun Strowman is going to attack him there. I like that. It makes sense in a lot of ways. You know, I'm all good, but the way this was executed in terms of, like, you know, Tyson's doing these shoulder tackles for like a minute or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden he just turns for less than two seconds to go hit the ropes again. And then Braun comes out of nowhere. Like you're telling me nobody saw Braun pro approaching the ring. You're telling me you didn't feel the, you didn't feel the weight of the six foot nine guy getting into the ring. And he just, he was just standing there all of a sudden that was kind of weird looking. And then this is, this is supposed to be this, this big badass. It's a threat to Braun Strowman. And he takes one shoulder tackle and he's clutching his ankle. Like a woman who was in high heels tripped over a sewer in New York city. What the F was this? It, it, I did not like it. Yeah, it was a, it was a magic trick, man. It was out of nowhere. Braun Strowman just appeared in the ring. Yeah. That part took me out of it. I will say, uh, I had a compliment. The only compliment I had was that Tyson Fury sold the ankle pretty well. You know, he got up, he like wob hobbled on it. So I think he sold all right, but yeah, dude, what was, what was this? I don't get it. All right. Uh, last Crown Jewel-related story. WWE Chairman Vince McMahon joined The Undertaker in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia last week. Uh, several photos have showed up on social media. Uh, they were in the kingdom as guests for the Riyadh season uh, opening ceremony, which uh, featured a kickoff parade. Of course, if you watched Raw, you saw the video air of The Undertaker on this float with the Roman Reigns statue. Uh, the parade featured several WWE props and pieces. Um, you know, I talked about this a, a bit yesterday, you know, not unsurprising that Vince McMahon, I guess, was there and made the trip considering how invested he seems to be in this. But I will say again, that Undertaker float was uh, the thing of nightmares and it will haunt me for the rest of my days. Uh, any other thoughts on that, Justin? It's really random, you know, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, obviously I know, you know, WWE has like this relationship now with Saudi Arabia. It's just so random. Like just, mm -hmm. uh, here's a, here's a parade and here's, here's an Undertaker float. Like, and he's not, I mean, like, well, but I don't I know, maybe, maybe just seen. I it just seems random to me because he's not performing at the next Crown Jewel show, so I don't know. Maybe that's just why it seemed random. Yeah, and there's, you know, they've, they've had him on the Crown Jewel shows that wouldn't maybe mean as much and, you know, saving him for Survivor Series or something like that. Like, I understand that. But, uh, you know, I was watching some more video of this parade. It wasn't just WWE who was part of, like, they had Marvel floats and, like, all this other, like, crazy, yeah. like, huge thing. So, I mean, if you're, if you're wondering where the $15 million came for Tyson Fury, uh, it's the same guy who bought these floats, I'm thinking, who paid for all this stuff because this stuff was ridiculous. So, well, this is this is all part of this is all part of the quest to bring like the Western culture, right? Yeah. And show off the entertainment. Yeah, that's that's hit a yellow light at best. Um, all right, uh, PWInsider.com uh, has uh, announced that Alex Shelley uh, was guest coaching recently at the WWE Performance Center. Uh, he tweeted out a photo from the Performance Center, thanking everyone who's uh, helped him to get this far. Uh, Chris Saban shared out a tweet uh, similarly. 
Uh, cool to hear that he was guest coaching there, but I mean, if him and you know him and if he's been in Ring of Honor recently. Uh, I I don't really know what's up going on with Saban right now, but uh, there's a lot still to be done with the Motor City Machine Guns. When we talk about Punk and NXT. Uh, they're another act I think that would uh, attract a a certain sect maybe away from AEW or, or fans of that that genre to, to NXT. Yeah, perhaps. Um, yeah, perhaps. But it's, it's cool. It's, I do. I just like the fact that WWE does. Uh, I like the fact they really have just committed to bringing in a a large buffet, a large you know rotating cast of, of guest coaches. I think it's pretty cool to see that they're you know opening the doors literally to almost anybody uh, of credibility, even if the, even if that even if those people haven't you know done business in the past with with them. I think it's pretty cool. Well, a couple of fans uh, yesterday they opened their doors to find WWE 2K20. Justin, this is a. Uh an interesting story for the last 24 hours there have been multiple reports first of all i have seen a lot of my friends i guess that we get early copies of this game i hate video games so uh i've never really you hate video games i'm not a video gamer no i don't i don't play them i think they're a huge gigantic waste of time video games are wow so apologize i apologize if i offended anyone out i mean i haven't played in like i mean i haven't like other than other than playing madden against like my brother-in-law i haven't played video games like i haven't like sat down and like committed to a video game in like 10 years I don't wouldn't say I hate them. I guess I guess I shouldn't say hate because that's a very. I mean, I'll you know Mario Party's on at a game. I'll sit down. I'll play a little bit. But I'm not. I'm not getting excited. I'm not sitting down. I'm not going on a quest. I'm not spending hours of my life playing video games. I live in a beautiful part of Chicago. I go out and visit the zoo or walk around a a pond, look at the ducks and the turtles, experience life, man. Anyway, (laughs) another soapbox. Another soapbox. Whole show of soapboxes for Nick Hausman here today. Uh, so first of all, so well, Nick to- Hausman, he's passionate about anti-video games, refereeing, um, uh, <laughs> referee, yeah, referee, CM Punk's uh, NXT future, uh, the pushes of Drew McIntyre and Ricochet. A lot of things here today. Anyway, back to two K twenty. So I know that a lot of people like video games. That's great. If that's your bag, enjoy it. Be happy. It is your life to live. Uh, but I know a lot of my my journalist friends out there. They were uh, in contact, I guess, with Two K. They they traditionally get press copies. I think Scott Fishman does that for our site. I think he's he's got a review or something coming out here. So anyway, he, uh, the press copies didn't go out, and everyone was like, "What's going on here?" Well, apparently, the video game when it was uploaded here and people started playing it, uh, it got bombarded with negative feedback. So it's kind of like if you don't go if there's no previews for a movie for like press previews for a movie it's probably not that good because they didn't reviews out there before it dropped um the the hashtag fix wwe 2k20 trended worldwide for hours fans uh expressed their frustration on everything from bugs and glitches to graphics and missing features modified controls issues with the image up later and more uh wwe games has not issued a public statement at least not yet as i have seen on the rough launch day but the 2K support account noted on Twitter that they are receiving more support requests than usual. One fan who purchased the SmackDown 20th edition, uh, 20th anniversary edition of the game, and received a plaque for WWE Hall of Famer Edge instead of Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch, and the plaque wasn't even signed like it was supposed to be. To wit, the $130 Collector's Edition SmackDown 20th Anniversary Edition came with more, even more items, supposed to come with a limited edition legend autograph plaque signed by one of the three Edge, Kurt Angler, Mysterio. But several fans have been tweeting about receiving the plaque, but no signature, no autograph again. Edge, Edge Adam Copeland himself, responded to one of these fans who was upset who received the $130 game without his autograph, tweeted out, lame, 
Seems like it happened to a few other people, too. Someone dropped the ball. I'm filming a movie for the next month, but when I get home, I'll get a P.O. box. Everyone who didn't get one, I'll follow you on here. I'll give you the, the address, and you can sign up, and, I'll, and, I, and you can send it to me to sign. In 2K here, they finally jump in. They've noted, responding to Adam Copeland, uh, we're receiving more tickets than normal. Rest assured, we're doing everything we can to get to your case. Thank you for your patience. So that is all of it, Justin. And uh, I've seen a lot of things get released in my life. This is a, this seems like a dumpster fire. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, if, if there's two, if there's two, two fan bases that are going to be vocal and will and will will hold you accountable, it is wrestling fans and video gamers. So when you piss them off combined, that's not good. Yeah. So uh, anyway, good guy Adam Copeland there. Just had to note that. I've seen a lot of screenshots of weird stuff in the game too. So uh, ee, buy at your own discretion, I suppose. Uh, and lastly, here AEW Dynamite. They're they're in Pittsburgh. You'll be there tonight, right? I actually will not be there tonight, unfortunately. I was going to be, but will not, unfortunately, tonight. Okay, all right. But there's like a party or something beforehand. Do you want to do you want to do your plug first? I, I was gonna be I was gonna I was gonna be hosting a pre party. I'm not gonna be there, but I, I will just encourage since you set me up for it. I do encourage everybody to still go to the it's brand new the Oakland Craft House. It's a couple steps away. They're still gonna be honoring the same specials that they were gonna have had I been there hosting this party. Uh, so, so still go gather with your fellow wrestling fan, $4, uh, some $4 beers and some $7 sandwiches. Like I said, just a few steps from, from the Peterson event center. So still go check it out give them support. Uh, and, and sorry that it won't be there, but Oakland craft house. Okay. Wonderful. Uh, so there you go. Pittsburgh people go enjoy yourself, get a drink, have a party tonight. AEW descends on your, on your town. And I just wanted to read, uh, the lineup for AEW dynamite tonight. Uh, first of all, you got Joey Janelle versus Kenny Omega. They faced off in an AEW match, uh, AEW dark match last week. It was an unsanctioned lights out match. Uh, critically praised, great match. If you want to go back and check it out, um, it had previously been announced that Janela was going to take on Jack Evans on this show, but I guess that's been nixed. Also on the show, you're going to get Young Bucks best friend Moxley versus Pac. The tag team semifinals between the Dark Order and SoCal Uncensored. Another semifinals match between Lucha Brothers and Private Party. Britt Baker is going to be in action in her hometown. Cody Rhodes is going to speak uh, on AEW World Champion Chris Jericho. And in your AEW Dark matches, you're going to get Jack Evans, Darby Allin, and Jimmy Havoc in a triple threat. Oh, I guess that's what's happened with Jack Evans. Uh, and you'll also get Dustin Rhodes and Sonny Kiss. I've been waiting for these two to team up, taking on Peter Avalon and QT Marshall. Uh, pulling out all the stops here, man. I just looked at this card, and I was like, damn, that is a stacked show they have for tonight. I'm, like, actually genuinely on the hook to, like, see some of this action here tonight on AEW Dynamite. Yeah, it's a stacked card, and uh, this was Pittsburgh was the first city that did not sell out um, for them when they start. When you know, obviously they had you know quick sellouts in D.C., Boston, and Philly, um, Pittsburgh this week, and then I believe they're in West Virginia next week, where the first two did not, uh, you know, not not be sellouts quickly. So I don't know if if an attempt to move any final tickets, if there are still final tickets that are need moved, if that's what this is about, or if it's just you know they just they just happened to be the chips fault felt this way but yeah pittsburgh are getting a great show tonight so again if you're uh, uh go on enjoy yourself and uh, like i said stop by the oak craft house beforehand my guest at this time officiated as a wwe referee for more than 20 years it is the one the only jimmy corderas jimmy welcome back to the winkley oh thanks for having me back my pleasure were you like a, I feel like you were a guest, like you were taken aback by my my awesome intro for you. I don't know. I was trying to. Yeah, I was. You're putting me over huge, I'm, I'm in, and I'm appreciating. 
Well, Jimmy, you did. You spent 20 years refereeing for WWE, and we're going to get into uh, some referee topics here. That'll be the bulk of our interview. But I, I got to ask you about the news of the day, man. Like, what, what's your take on the quick exit of Bischoff here? Is the SmackDown executive director and, and bringing in Pritchard in, into his role? It is a little bit surprising because I thought, um, in my opinion, the reason Bischoff was put on the SmackDown side was not so much for his creative, in my opinion. I could be wrong on that. Sure. I thought it was more because of his dealing with network executives and, and his that's his forte. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's why he was brought in. And maybe he helped, uh, uh, you know, facilitate that uh, that deal at first. But um, again, I think it's a lot more than I know people are saying, well, that big drop in number from week one to week two was the reason why I don't think so. One week doesn't, doesn't, uh, you know, precipitate something like that. I think there's more to it. And he, he's a big boy. He, he knew what he was getting into going back to WWE. It's not like, uh, you didn't think this was a possibility, but, uh, I, do I feel bad for him? Sure. Especially considering people are saying like he moved to Connecticut as well. I don't think sure. he gave up his Wyoming residence, but uh, yeah, uh, I found it very strange that it happened so quickly, though. Yeah, I thought so too. Do you now? Would you see more value in Eric as an on-screen character for WWE right now if he's not going to work out backstage? Uh yeah, I think I think he's got he's got that. Uh, I don't know, for, for lack of a better, he's got that cocky attitude. If you want to have him as a heel uh, on-air persona or an on-air uh, authority figure, and it works well, but he. He's got a good screen presence. He's got good delivery. He speaks well. Um, maybe that's a missed opportunity for him where they could have used him as an on-screen, you know, authority figure or, or something. What, do you think it was smart that AEW didn't bring him in uh, for Dynamite last night? Or do you think that was a missed opportunity? No, I think it was smart because I think people were expecting it and it, and it would have got the initial pop. But it's, it, again, uh, I think... Uh, again, in my opinion, uh, AEW Dynamite is should focus on creating their own identity, and I get, you know, the the cool factor of bringing Bischoff back to to TNT and having him back at uh, at Turner. Yeah, you know that. Sure. In that sense, but at the same time, I'd rather they focus on creating their own identity and and other things, which I'm hoping will top touch on <laughs> yes yes we'll get to the referee and stuff here in a second as well um i also wanted to ask you jimmy before we get to the referee and stuff which is supposed to be the meat of this interview we got to hang out in toronto and be a part of the the media scrum with with triple h afterwards it's very like I, i've been in these scrums before at AEW with mark henry it was crazy then it's just as crazy being in a scrum with you uh how was it transitioning into a role like what we're doing right now where you get to do this commentary about a company that you worked with for 20 years uh it's it's kind of strange because it, i i get i get backlash from people on both sides of the aisle like if i critique wwe for example and they're like how can you critique these guys they you know you worked for them for over 20 years and blah blah, blah. and then they get the other side where if i say something you know that they don't agree with that I liked all of a sudden I'm a shill for them because I was there for so long and I'm trying to get back with the company and I'm, you know, disgruntled former ex, whatever, yada, yada, you know, it's, it's a no win situation, but I try to, in a situation like with, with Hunter, you know, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, I, you know, introduced myself and he full know, well knows who I am. So it's kind of funny. Part, you know, absolutely. When yeah. yeah. Hello, Jim from aftermath tv and he goes hello jimmy corderas from aftermath tv it was kind of like 
Okay. I, yeah. Maybe, maybe I over <laughs> tried to be too formal. <laughs> you, you probably predate triple H into, were you there at WWE before triple H got hired? Uh, I started, uh, I started working for Jack in 85, but I started refing in 87. So, so yeah, definitely. Yeah. Then. I don't think. 100%. Yeah. So I did. Predate. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That's a little <laughs> odd. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, I just want to ask you about that. I also wanted to ask you, because again, we're going to get to the referee stuff here and I, nobody wants to hear you talk about the referee stuff, but they also like WWE has this new backstage show and they put Renee young as the host. You know, what's it like? What do you think of this show? And like, talk a little bit about your friendship with Renee and what it's like to see her like assuming these kinds of big roles now. Actually, I'm very happy for her, and she suits that that show backstage to a T. I mean, this is right in her wheelhouse, and you can tell that she's having fun doing it, and it translates. It comes across on the TV, and I enjoyed it. What backstage is really, and I I don't want to like, you know, pump our tires up here, but when Renee, myself, and Arda Ocal, yeah, we're doing after up here in Canada. Great show. It's it's kind of like that. It, it it's very much has that feel, except it's it's a much bigger production because it is, you know, Fox. Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's it's kind of cool seeing what was originally Arto Cal's creation, the show Aftermath, kind of come to fruition on the big screen in uh, in WWE with Fox. Yeah. But unfortunately. Would love would love to join Renee someday just as just as a pop on, but uh, who knows? You never know. You you did, <laughs> but you she's got, having fun. She's nailing. Yeah, well, you got to do the uh, the watch along as part of SummerSlam. You're 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 a talking head for them. Uh, well, I guess so. Uh, that was that was cool too. I mean, that, that was different. I've you know getting to do something like that with the with the current Aftermath crew and. Uh, Getting to meet Pat McAfee, who's a cool dude, and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, hopefully, there's more of that in the future. But uh, you know, if not, it's cool. I'm, I'm cool just uh, sitting in, uh, sitting back and critiquing. <laughs> As you're good at your reference uh, and cups, one cup of coffee at a time. Uh, all right, let's get to it. We'll talk the referee <laughs> stuff. I have. I just wanted to get those out of the way. Those are my non-refing questions for you. Um, so here it is. All right, let's start. I got my question. Very formal here. WWE recently took some heat for their finish to their Hell in a Cell match between Seth Rollins and The Fiend Bray Wyatt. The ref ended the match by by referee stoppage. What did you think of... What was your take on the the finish of the Hell in a Cell match, Jimmy? Plain and simple, didn't like it at all because uh, a referee stoppage in any combat sport is when when one of the participants is incapacitated or, or, or cannot continue or there's a... a severe injury that needs, you know, immediate attention, that sort of thing. Um, in this situation, it's hell in the cell where all the rules are thrown out the window. And in this type of match, uh, there needs to be a finality. And, and and this match was designed to negate stuff like a ref stoppage or anything like that. It's, it's basically one fall to a finish regardless of what happens. And I thought... Uh, I get they were trying to be creative and different with it, but I, I, it, it did not, it didn't work. It didn't work at all. And you heard the backlash from the audience, from pretty much everybody. They, they hated it. And the biggest thing I didn't like about it was the the referee trying to reason with Seth Rollins and trying to say, this isn't you, this is unlike, you don't want to go there, this isn't you. Uh, you know, so so when did the referee become Dr. Phil? 
Yeah, right. You know, that, it, it just it just bothered me on so many different levels, uh, you know, and for me, it, it was because the WWE had booked themselves into a corner by putting this this feud on this quick and putting it in that situation in Hell in a Cell. And and I, again, I think that was the the reason why we got to where we were. And. I just don't know what to expect now on Crown Jewel in a Falls Count Anywhere. It's going to end up in the desert somewhere. I have no idea. Falls Count Anywhere uh, with the caveat of, uh, but not over there. No, that's too dangerous over there. I'll fly anywhere but there, I guess. Um, you know, when you... Uh, so Falls Count, Falls Count Almost Anywhere. Yeah, right. Falls Count Almost Anywhere. Great. Um, certainly not on top of those cactuses <laughs> over there. Don't try to pin them on the cactuses. Off limits. Um, my, uh, my, my, my follow-up question to this, and I've got a couple questions here about this Hell in a Cell finish, but my follow-up question is, you know, if you had been told you're refereeing this match, here's how we're ready, do you, would you have said something, uh, airing concern about the finish? Is that your place as a referee to, to bring something up like that if you think it's going to come across badly for the referee or the match in general? Um, yes, and, um... You know, after a certain tenure there, obviously you feel a little more comfortable, and th- there is a way to present it without coming off as a an a hole, if you know what I mean. You know, the, you, you respectfully say, "Hey, listen, here's here's the deal. This is my concerns with this finish, and I my concern is the heat in the end of this match is going to go to the wrong person. It's going to go to me, the official. Right. And that's not what you want at the end of any match. You want the heat either to go on on your heel. Or if you want the heat to go to your baby face, whatever the case may be, sure. the one person you don't want the heat on is the referee. And I feel that in, in this situation, if I make this call, all the heat's going to be on me. That's a great answer. Yeah. And yeah. I would, I would actually, yeah. So, so I, yes. And, and the short answer is I would definitely uh, 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 respectfully voice my concern. So how do you, so what did you think of with that said, which I thought was, Great. That's going to be an awesome post for the site. I love that response. But um, what what did you think about their decision to have the referee own the call on social media, and then they made they made a big deal about it on the bump? I did not like that either because here's a situation where you knew it was bad. The reaction was bad. There was nothing but negative feedback from this whole thing. So why don't we just? While everybody, while it gets later in the week, when hopefully people are starting to forget about it, let's bring it back up so that we can refresh their memory on what they hated on the weekend. Yeah, it just. To, and again, going back to what I said earlier, put all the heat on the referee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how do you think? Lastly, here, how do you think that when a referee gets used like this, how do you think they are affected in the eyes of the fans? Do you think? It, how do you think it changes their opinion if it does at all? Um, I think it's minimal because, you know, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind, ref, uh, wrestling fans sometimes have a short memory when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. I think in this situation, I don't think it's going to affect uh, spider too much where people are going to say, Hey, there's the guy from the hell in the cell match that uh, <laughs> tried to be Dr. Phil or something like that. You know, I, I think that goes away with time, but, uh, at the same time, you're killing me spider. Uh, that's, uh, Interesting to interesting to think about. Uh, now, okay, let's shift gears here to the other promotion. How do you feel about the AEW refereeing style? I've seen a lot of fans comment on how it appears to be refereeing at their discretion, 
seems to be uh, how it's coming across, I think, to many who watch AEW Dynamite. Yeah, and I think uh, because Cody came out uh, a little while ago, either a week or two ago, and came out with this video saying referee's discretion, which is the new buzzword now, Mm -hmm. which in my mind, yeah, that just means, A, we have no other way to get out of this, so we'll just fudge the rules and and just get our stuff in. I I don't like it. Um, You know, like basic rules, like a five count after you tag. Yes, I get it. You make the tag. All right, guys, make the switch. Come on, let's go get out. Now you start counting. One, you give that second or two where you're trying to enforce a rule, and then you start your count. They're not even doing that. These guys are in there for like 10, 12, 15. And here's a, here's the other thing, too. When the guys go to the outside, th- does this promotion not have a 20 count on the outside? I, Isn't I, that what they said? It's it's more like a, a New Japan thing where they're 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 implementing a 20 count on the outside. I if you can't get your stuff on the outside in a 20 count, uh, I don't know. It's just, and, and I've seen instances where the referee goes out and hangs out out there and starts admonishing everybody and doesn't count and does all this. Uh, look, at the end of the day, and this is going to be my topic for tomorrow's refing rant, mm-hmm. as you can guess, I'm giving you a little preview here. Um, to me, okay. The audience right now for AEW, their hardcore base audience has bought into everything they do. In their eyes right now, they're the cool kids. They can't do anything wrong. They're being entertained. It's fun. It's different. Yes. But at the same time, if you want to grow your audience and get those casual wrestling fans back, those are the ones that remember, hey, there used to be rules in this, and that's not allowed, and this isn't allowed. And you can't tag into a match when both guys on the same team are standing on the apron. One has to be inside. One has to be out. And when you have a finish, one guy, the legal guy, has to be pinning the guy in the ring, not both guys pinning the guy at the same time right in front of the referee. Right. So I'm having issues with that. And I know people are saying I'm being nitpicky because it's entertaining. This yes, it's entertaining, but this at the is, same time. This is what you're ex, you're an expert. I hate to cut you off, but it's like, how can you? This is what you do. It's like if you made if you made wooden chairs for 20 years, you're going to look at every wooden chair with a very close eye. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. That's why I brought you on to talk about exactly what no. you're doing, you know? No, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, and, and that's exactly right. I mean, like, it, it, it's so frustrating for me to watch that because, uh, you know, let's be honest. If that stuff was going on with their competition, the WWE, there would be outrage like you wouldn't believe. Agreed. And, and you know, I, I, I get, you know, Hall of Famers and former tag team specialists who are making uh, making excuses for it. But at the same time, I don't agree with it. I just... Like I said, I want it to make sense. And to me, when you start uh, fudging the rules that much, then it starts not making sense. And why is it okay in this match for this to happen? Then all of a sudden it's not in another match. Uh, anyways, it's just, it's frustrating for me to watch that because it, it, it distracts me from trying to watch what's going on are you, and enjoy the product. Are you surprised that Earl Hebner hasn't stepped in to do more to to try to wrangle guys in on these or or implement or, or encourage the the referees to be you know more diligent about it i mean I, I with earl there i would think he would be the one to you know sort this all out and, and get it get it on the straight and narrow and that's the other thing too earl's there and uh, you know and rick knox has been refereeing for a long time bryce rosenberg paul turner yeah. Uh, Aubrey is the new one, and she's the one who seems to have the most authority out of all of them. Agreed. And even, even, Agreed. Agreed. And even her at times, like, for example, in the street fight, 
you know, there was a, a Walls of Jericho and, and Darby Allen got to the ropes and she started to put the count on Chris, a five count to make him break. He doesn't have to break. There's no DQ in a street fight. Right. I mean, yes, you can admonish him all you want and tell him to let go because the, a, 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 a fall cannot occur while in contact with the ropes. Mm-hmm. And that's what you can enforce and say, hey, he can tap all he wants while he's in the ropes. It won't count because he's in the ropes. It has to happen in 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 the in the ring. Yeah. So again, it's little things that don't make sense to me that that kind of frustrating and and yes, I'm harping on this a lot, but I think it matters. To me, it should matter. Okay, one specific thing I wanted to bring up to you because I was at the the AEW Dynamite premiere in DC and in the main event, they've got like the eight man tag going on and John Moxley just comes in and attacks Kenny Omega, right? And the match continues. Yep. Now, he's not in, in the match, but if you're what is the what is the correct call there if something like that were to happen? It's a DQ. Plain and simple. That's okay. that's what I mean. It's a basic rule that if someone who is not in the match interferes, then it is a disqualification. You know what would have been an easy way to get out of that? Have him attack Kenny before the bell starts. Yeah. Take him out. And then they can go. Yeah. Take him out. And you can say, okay, from here on end, it's a handicap match. Mm-hmm. And then they're simple. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> okay. I, it was just something that stood out to me. So you're saying that, yeah, Kenny's team should have won because Moxley attacked Kenny's team, right? Yes. And it doesn't matter whether. Moxley has an association with the other team or not. He attacked a member of that team. Okay. Therefore causing the disqualification. Man, you should teach like I took logic in college. You should teach referee logic in college. I'd take that class. That'd be awesome. Hey, <laughs> anybody wants anybody wants to wants a crash course. I'm available. <laughs> you know what they need? I got it. They need a director of officiating. Oh. Let's go to the booth. The guy in the booth. <laughs> well, I mean, but I was I was going to ask you about that. Have, did you talk to AEW about coming in in any capacity? I feel like when it comes time to to get refs, you know, you're available up there in Canada. Um, no, no, I don't know. I, I've never, I haven't, I haven't spoken to them at all. Um, I guess a part of the problem is being in Canada, and of course that means they would have to get the proper work papers to get me down there. But. Sure. Uh, Either that or I'd have to move to the stage, which I'm not prepared to do at this time. So um, that's fine. And I'm not. And and again, contrary to popular opinion on the Internet, I'm not bitter about that at all as well. Sure. I'm perfectly fine I'm where I'm at and what I'm doing. So yeah. you seem very happy. You get to be a part of a TV show. You, you get to let your voice be heard on the Internet every day. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, yeah, we get to talk to good, good friends like you every once in a while. And yeah, and we get to have fun. I mean, you know, let, let me put it this way. Uh, 20 plus years of 250 plus days on the road traveling. Uh, don't get me wrong. I would not trade any of it for anything in the world. I loved it. But that's not me anymore. Yeah. Well, well, here we are right now. We're there. The Wednesday Night War, Jimmy, what do you think? Has it lived up to the hype uh, so far now that we've had three weeks to take it all in? Um. No, because I don't. I, I think people are are more into choosing sides as opposed to trying to enjoy both products. Okay. I mean, like that's the way I look at it. I mean, this is to me, this is a great time to be a wrestling fan because you have options. There are other options out there. Like, look at Tuesday nights. I love the NWA show. It's a completely different presentation. It's a studio show. 
And I like that because watching it like this past Tuesday when I, or Wednesday when I watched it, because I watched it later, I felt like a kid again watching Saturday afternoon. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it in that capacity and I tried to enjoy it as a fan and, and everybody has their own presentation and their own likes and everybody has, has their positives and, and stuff that they could improve on. That being said, why does it have to be a war? Why can't everybody just enjoy? Yeah. I mean, do you have to watch both live? I can, I'm perfectly fine with watching one on Wednesday and watching one the next day. Okay, I'm but, cool with that. But I, I guess on the other end of that, like, do you feel there's a little bit of oversaturation going on? Because I think part of picking one or the other is I just don't know that people have the time to watch all the content that's being put out right now. That's that's the difficult part. I mean, like, it, if you look at it now, you got if you include the NWA and, and MLW as well, I mean, there's a lot out there. Impact's going to be a on lot Tuesdays. To take Impact is going to be primetime Impact. Tuesdays on access on Tuesdays in like a week and a half. Right. Which is, which is a smart move to them. Although a little bit late because I thought that obviously for reasons that TNT could, couldn't put um, AEW on Tuesdays, but, but that would have been the perfect time slot for them because people are, pre-programmed to SmackDown being on, on Tuesdays, which would have helped. Right. But, uh, it's a good, it's a good slot for him. But now with, with impact coming in, now you got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, trying to catch up on stuff on Thursday before you get to Friday. And it's like, Oh my goodness. And then, uh, then, uh, divorce lawyers are making a killing. Dude, that is, that is the truth. I was like, can you imagine being a pro wrestling fan right now and being single? We're both happily in relationships. You're married. I am not. Um, but I'm I'm glad I got in before this all hit. I think it would have been a lot harder for me to find a girlfriend, you know. Um, oh my goodness! The, the 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 thing I hear almost every night: Are you coming to bed uh, soon? <laughs> my girlfriend. Hold the, on. <laughs> the first week. Um, the first week it was uh, I put on I put on AEW, and my girlfriend goes, "Oh no, wait." There's wrestling on Wednesdays now. I was like, "Oh yeah, there's two shows on Wednesday." It it, it like it didn't really hit her until it was happening. So anyway, um, what do you think WWE can be doing differently with NXT to help counter what AEW is doing right now? I don't think they should change anything because I, I what I love about NXT is it's completely different from what everybody else is doing. And when people talk about more sports, uh feel to it a more sport type presentation to their professional wrestling to me uh, other than the nwa show it's nxt yeah that has that feel more so than any of the other uh major brands out there mm -hmm. i love their presentation i love that it's uh, they focus on in ring more than anything they have their video packages and they have their little stories and promos and stuff but the the bulk of their show is uh, is they focus on the in ring product and it's very good yeah I, I, you know, pretty much up in card, and I love, and that's what I like about it. And I don't think they should change that. I think they should. I know people are saying, "Well, they need to move out of full sale because there's only like a couple of hundred people there, or whatever." No, why? It, why does everything have to be a big production number? I am one of those people, Jimmy, and I will just say, when I'm flipping between the two channels and looking at the products, one of these things feels like a big, cool, flashy, fun thing. The other kind of feels small, you know. That's the only way I can really seem to simplify how I feel about it right now. I think the wrestling's great. I think the wrestling may be better on NXT than AEW, um, but it just feels not as it doesn't feel as important to me. If that makes sense. 
No, it does. It absolutely makes sense because we live in a world where perception is reality now, and right. And if it's perceived as a, as if it's perceived as a bigger deal, people will, will think that. Uh, for me, uh, me, I, I, I try to, as best as I can to look past that, but I completely understand that that point of uh, that thinking because when you do look at both shows, I mean, like, you know, it, visually it looks great. Yeah. On on AEW, yeah. it, it does visually look really good. Um, last question. Since we're talking about NXT, I wanted to ask you a little bit real quickly about the Performance Center. Is there a um, is there a referee training element of the Performance Center as it stands right now? Uh, my understanding is that uh, yes, I I, I am uh, I speak with uh, a lot of the uh, the officials in in WWE still who are still friends and also um, a couple of guys down in NXT and and it is again it is developmental not only for the uh wrestlers but also for the referees and they they train the referees down there in for lack of a better term the style that WWE likes to present their referees okay if that makes sense no it totally yeah. it so totally does. so they do they do train them down there and of course uh one of the elements that they do down there that they didn't do when i was there was uh the guys down there are physically um working out and and doing you know in, in great physical shape, they're they're part of the uh, that program as well, which is really uh, a plus too. Oh yeah, um, which we kind of did back in the day because uh, you know we were in shape, but uh, back then round was considered a shape. So. <laughs> well, that's interesting because I just I've never heard anything about what the referees are doing down in the performance center. Is it almost like is it more kayfabe? Do you think than the wrestler training? Just because like those are the real secrets. You don't want to give away how you're training the refs. I don't know. I just, I never hear about that when people talk about the performance center. I don't know if that's the case. I think it's more that people are so focused with the, uh, with, with the other talent, with the, the actual wrestlers that they, you know, maybe they get looked over a little bit and that's okay. Yeah. You know, hmm. yeah, like, I, like I said earlier, the referee's not supposed to be the focal point anyway. So yeah. uh, the, the unheralded supporting actor, there it is. There it is. The end is in the beginning. That's a perfect out. Uh, Jimmy, I want to thank you so much for the time. I always love picking your brain uh, about what's going on in the business, in particular right now, refereeing. Very buzzy topic right now. Um, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up today? Oh, well, if you're in Canada, you know, obviously you can tune into Aftermaths. We moved to Friday nights, just like SmackDown. We're on at 630 in a wrestling block that uh, Sportsnet 360 has on up here with myself, the former Santino Morella, Anthony Corelli, uh, Nug Nargang, and Caroline Sved. And uh, I've started this little thing that I do on weekdays only called my Ref and Rant, which is just a minute long. That's all I could tolerate on some days. But uh, I put it out there on all my social media, and you can find it out there. And uh, I try to make it a myriad of topics, but uh, the topic we spoke on at length today has been dominating a lot of my Ref and Rants lately. So. <laughs> Start rolling. Until they stop selling it. So, uh, first off, how do you feel about Impact Wrestling moving to Access TV? Uh, bigger, better, and better. Right on, man. It's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to shoot us right up there. Um, I finally feel like I'm in the right place at the right time with, with uh, the right players, and uh, it's a good time to be a wrestler. Good time for Johnny Swinger uh, to be back in. The, I just came back in last month, so. Uh, Second time around uh, with the original TNA and now evolved into Impact. Um, pretty exciting times ahead and uh, just grateful to be part of it. 
Yeah, uh, what was the process of you coming back to Impact? How, how did that go and you getting signed to come well, back? I, I, as a lot of people might not know, on a national level, I've been wrestling all these years uh, independent-wise in the Southeast. A lot of it's off the grid, off the radar, not covered by uh, too much press. So um, I've always kept in shape, always... Um, Always try to evolve my 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 work in the ring, you know, to, to stay with the times, but still keeping those old fundamentals. And uh, as far as coming back to Impact, I got a really long history with Scott Demore, our executive vice president. He was uh, we go back about 25 years. He was the man behind my original break in wrestling with WCW. He was also behind me with uh, TNA. So he's always been a big Johnny Swinger proponent. Um, I always said uh, Scott knew how to use Johnny Swinger better than anybody. Um, other than him, there's only one other person uh, that I've ever seen do this, Paul Heyman, be the other one I even credit, will actually get in my face and do a Johnny Swinger promo with the facial expressions, the voice, and everything. And that's how I know I'm in good hands. They're gonna know how to know what to do with me. So um, I mean, you kind of answered this question already, but what are the advantages of working with Impact as opposed to other promotions? Is it Scott? Um, mainly, and, and it's not just Scott. Also, uh, Don Callis is also. Uh, I go all the way back to day one with him. He was the, the booker in Winnipeg, Canada for my very first match ever. So uh, he, he was always a big fan of my talent uh, throughout the years. And then we worked together as talents in, in uh, the original ECW and with TNA as well. So we go back all the way. So he's always been a, a big backer of mine. Uh, Tommy Dreamer's involved in, uh, in, in some of the creative process. And, and he was my boss and friend in ECW. So I just finally got it. Got you stick around long enough. You, <laughs> you know, you get better. You, you got good friends and people move up and get in positions and I just, all the stars have aligned for me so to speak so as, as you kind of mentioned you've worked with just about every company over the last 20 some odd years right. what uh, what about right now in wrestling sticks out to you does it remind you of like the attitude era when when things were really cooking or it does it, it does like? it's uh, I think it's come it's coming up slower than it did back then but I also think there's more there's even more options out there than there were so I think everyone's gonna really have to step it up and work hard to make their show uh, I think we'll always have the base fans that are going to follow everything but we want to hook back the big mainstream crowd and just increase the whole thing right and uh, I think that once they, once they see our show with the new exposure on access can be available to more people I can't imagine anybody with, with some kind of wrestling interest would watch our show and oh, I don't want to watch that anymore I think we're going to be able to we can get someone to sample it I think we're going to hook them uh, who, who would impact do you most look forward to working with? Um, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with everybody. When I started the Las Vegas TV tapings, I made a point to actually go out kind of by the curtain to watch and get a feel for who the crowd was, was interested in. And pretty much everybody had a, a good reaction to the crowd. I'm really impressed with OVE. Uh, they've, they've really risen to the top. I love the gang mentality. I mean, you know, danger in numbers, you know what I mean? So, and, and not even to be like, say, I'm a bad guy or a good guy, just... I'd love to work with those guys. Uh, Brian Cage is unbelievable. I mean, just to, just to look like that and the unbelievable stuff he can do. And uh, we would love to get in the ring with him and see how that played out. And uh, I tell you who I don't want any part of is Tessa Blanchard. Uh, she looks, and I heard, hits like a ton of bricks. And uh, <laughs> she's pretty badass. So I don't want to hear that. But uh, pretty much everybody's got a, a really good uh, standout uh, look about them and the way they present themselves. So. I think I can, with the way they got me coming in, I can pretty much step in there with anybody and have a pretty entertaining segment.
Now, uh, you mentioned ECW a couple times. How does Impact compare to ECW? Very similar, actually. Uh, that thing I just said about Paul Heyman and Scott, they're, they're very similar in the sense that he knows me, he knows the roster, and he knows how to how to plug him into certain places like Paul E. did. And the other thing is that Paul took a lot of advice from the wrestlers. And I see that Scott and Don and these guys, they're, they're kind of doing the same thing, you know. It's not a one man can't oversee everything. You got to get input from, especially from the people that are doing it. Uh, most wrestlers know their character and how to portray it, and they're gonna be driving down the road to the gym or something. And an idea is gonna pop in their head. Would be really good if I did this, and then you can tell them, and they'll use it. Uh, some places you can't do that. You can't get away with that. You know, they got a certain way they want it done, and you better follow it, or else you're gonna be gone. You know, but that's what uh, impact reminds me a lot of ECW. That sense that everybody really is working together. They want to see not just their thing go good, they want all the segments. We want people to watch a show, not just, well, I'm going to turn it on to see Swinger and then I'm going to turn it off. You know, we want to watch the whole show. So everybody's kind of watching each other's stuff and everyone's got an idea. Like, hey, man, Swinger would be funny if you said this. I've had so many people give me lines to throw in a promo and I use it and it gets a good, good response, you know. So it's, it's kind of cool. Everybody's in on the on the, on the creative part of the, of the overall show. It's cool. So what can Impact fans expect from Johnny Swinger? Um, kind of a new lease on life. Uh, just uh, taking all the 25 years a long time. I've seen a lot of, uh, and like I said, the, lot, the last 15 years or so, I've been getting in the ring with Bullet Bob Armstrong and Tommy Rich and the Rock and Roll Express and all these guys that people remember from 30 years ago. I've been, I'm getting in the ring with these guys, so I picked up some stuff from them that I'm going to start putting on TV that people haven't seen in a long time. And, you know, the older uh, fans are going, oh, I remember, <laughs> I remember that move. I remember those moves. And the younger people are like, well, I've never seen that before, so I'm going to get them both. Like, it's just going to kind of hook them a little bit and just try to make my matches look different and, uh, you know, just draw the people in with whatever's going on before me. I want to be different, have something that, and then keep it going, and the next match is going to do the same thing, you know, is just keep the people. What was your favorite match? The, the one that stood out to you and maybe with any company? I, I got to say WCW in the late 90s was just off the hook, you know, with uh, I think a couple of matches I had with Goldberg where he when he was the biggest thing going in wrestling. Just because when I, when I was a kid and I wanted to be a wrestler, that's what you dreamed about was that even if it wasn't, you, you've seen yourself in the ring and then the guy come out to wrestle just gets this thunderous reaction that shakes the place and that's what it was like with Billy and uh, even DDP got real hot there for a while and I wrestled him when he was the world's champion and I was like, that was my favorite matches were when the was the most reaction with huge crowds, you know there's nothing like it, getting it, feeling 15,000 people rumbling a place you know what I mean, and you have something to do with it so yeah, big matches WCW TV match with Goldberg and uh, DDP and then uh, actually having some matches with some guys that I watched a kid like Greg Hammer Valentine and guys like that you know, and, you know and teaching, wrestling the guys that I was, had on my wall as a kid you know, it was uh, pretty cool you know those are the ones that stand out the most Thank you, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show to talk all the news of the day. Thank you, Jimmy Corderas, Johnny Swinger, and Brian Wool. And I've been teasing it all show, but Justin, okay, so Jimmy Corderas' idea 
for the referees or an AEW was to do like a a booth like football style where you can go back and do replays. You know, so like right. the, there's the referee on the field. He makes one call, but it's the referee in the booth who could go back and look at calls to make final say, uh, adding another sports layered element to the AEW product. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I, I just, uh, he said, they, he said they needed it at this point, right? He's like, you know, maybe uh, yeah, something I mean... like that would help, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they just you know for, forget the booth they they have uh, like hockey does hockey has the, the the war room in toronto and everybody it's like you know just just officials sitting in front of all these tvs and uh we just, just have a have a have a war room uh <laughs> you know in in, in jacksonville <laughs> and they're just sitting there monitoring uh oh i think that was a foreign object that came out of the tights there <laughs> um but yeah i mean he's not wrong in the sense of like refereeing really has evolved in, in evolution maybe not maybe not for the best of of of, of referee credibility but then again like i said it's i mean that that's where you, that's where it comes in are you, are you aiming for sport or are you aiming for entertainment here devo man the evolution you know and now i can't get that argument out of my head where it's like if the ref isn't credible is your product credible and is that an issue in pro wrestling and i kind of want i'm not i don't know maybe i'll assign it to somebody right about but i think that's a good topic for an editorial on the site the credibility of the refs so um all right with that, we have another show tomorrow. Justin will be back. We've got two more interviews. Uh, we'll have Ring of Honors. Joe Hendry is going to be on the show tomorrow. He's getting ready to head over to his uh, native UK uh, for the Honor United Tour. Uh, and also, Brian Wool will be back. We've got another interview from his uh, Impact Wrestling LA media event. This time, he's talking to the man who just co-main evented Bound for Glory, Sammy Callahan. And that video will also be uh, dual-released uh, at the same time over on our YouTube channel. Uh, and, of course, if you like this show, you like all our review shows, go over to Wrestling Inc. Audio over on iTunes. Five-star ratings, nice comments. Always appreciated. Tweet me. Tweet about the Winkly. Just tell a friend. Like, write a note. Like, if you're in high school and you listen to the show, like, write a note to a friend and, like, slip them that note during class and, like, try not to get caught. That's pretty cool. That's what the cool kids do. Anyway, or do it at work. Just, like, if you have a job, like, cubicle to cubicle, write down, I listen to the Winkly. Yeah. Uh, yes. No. Right. And then you can find out who listens to it too around the office. All right. I'm dumb. I wonder if any high school. I wonder if any high schoolers are listening right now with their head like they have their headphones on or trying to like, you know, avoid class. Because I've actually, I mean, I've come, I've come across teachers. I have teachers in my family. I've come across teachers that like some will allow like students to like listen to the music on their headphones while they're studying or taking a test uh, you know or, or something like that I, I you know it's a new age i wonder if i hope you're listening to the winkley while you're uh, getting educated yeah wonderful uh, i hope you're getting educated listening to the winkley yeah i wish my teachers were that cool i never had cool teachers like that just a lot of stupid school stuff <laughs> i never get to listen to music do fun things um anyway. see the problem the problem the problem with letting students uh, listen to quote-unquote music while they're taking a test is it is, is, i mean all you have to do is then just start to put answers and start to put test information you know on your you know on your phone or ipod whatever device you're listening you're listening to and you know they think you're listening to music but you could actually be listening to yourself rattling off all the information oh man that's so smart i would have never been that smart i actually had one cool teacher mr boger he was my debate coach my senior year he would just let me sleep because he was the first class of the day and he had no f's to give and uh he would just wake me up when i had to debate other people and uh you know, I always enjoyed that and did well in that aspect of it. But he was You were in a debate class. Dude, I did debate. I was I'm, I'm I, not I'm not surprised by that. I qualified for original oratory uh, in state uh my senior year. So, I quadruple qualified. It was 
uh, humorous, dr- I did a humorous interp, dramatic interp, duo scene, and original oratory. I branched out into debate just because I wouldn't shut up, and they were like, find other ways to utilize Nick's ability to talk. And here I am now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, I, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, all right, Justin, what do you want to plug from put over here before we wrap it up today? Uh, just give me a follow at Justin LeBar on social media. Awesome. And uh, thank you all so much for listening. We got one more show to go tomorrow, guys. Tune back in. Uh, I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. And remember, if you winked, you didn't oh miss it. <laughs>